13-year-old Bradley Hansen left his home on November 10th, 1995 without telling his mother that school had been canceled. Instead, he went to a friend's home and never returned. Trash collectors later noticed blood on the friend's trash can, but Bradley's Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around, a watch she can wear every day from Movement. Whether your mom is into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, everything at Movement is up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale. A watch is a gift that celebrates all the time you spent with mom. And a Movement watch is even more than that. Movement uses industry-leading materials for their fresh modern watch designs, from technically complex ceramics to vintage-inspired style. All for an incredible value your wrist and wallet will both love. And with one-size-fits-all convenience and fast-free shipping and returns, it's a stress-free shopping experience. Save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with Movement. Get up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. Save big money on everything for your next project at Menards. Spring is here making it the perfect time for outdoor projects. Suncast storage sheds are an excellent solution for protecting outdoor lawn and gardening tools. They're easy to assemble, and the all-weather construction provides water resistance and UV protection. Save big on Suncast storage sheds. View our selection of Suncast products today in-store and on Menards.com. Save big money at body was never found. Police and crime scene investigators have been at a loss ever since this disturbing discovery, and the case has never been fully solved. So where is Bradley, and what actually occurred that day? Thirteen-year-old Brad Hansen was an ordinary teenage boy in the mid-90s. He had several friends at school, was just starting to become interested in finding a girlfriend, and would often hang out with his best friend, Jeremy, after class and in the early mornings. November 10th, Veterans Day, rolled around in 1995, and Brad got ready for school like usual and hopped on his mountain bike, presumably headed for school. This was an ordinary morning routine for him, according to his mother. However, when she spoke with crime scene investigators later on, she explained that she didn't realize it was Veterans Day. As it would turn out, all of the local kids in Phoenix, Arizona were off of school for Veterans Day, so she had no idea where Brad may have headed off to. According to detectives and multiple witnesses, Brad knew good and well that school was out. However, instead of heading to school, he secretly planned to hang out with his friend, Jeremy, for the entire day then come home afterwards as if nothing had happened. It was a secret between the two boys, and they never expected anyone to find out that they'd spent the whole day alone at Jeremy's house. This plan would quickly fall apart, though. Brad's mother became incredibly concerned when she made it to work later in the morning. No sooner than she had arrived, she realized that it was Veterans Day and knew that the schools were closed for the day. She tried to contact Brad on his pager, but he didn't respond at any point throughout the day. Detectives learned from Jeremy's father that he had seen the two boys in his kitchen early that morning. It seems as though he didn't realize it was Veterans Day either because he thought nothing more of it and left the two kids at the house assuming that they would be headed off to school pretty soon. Police would later learn that a girl named Taylor was supposed to be meeting up with the boys that day as well. 
We don't know much for sure, but some sources seem to suggest that both Jeremy and Brad had a crush on Taylor, and they were willing to do anything they could to convince Taylor to be their girlfriend. This would allegedly be the start of a disturbing love triangle that would quickly grow out of hand, leaving police and crime scene investigators with a cold case that would remain unsolved for more than 20 years. Brad's mother returned home from work around 2 p.m., but she quickly realized that her son was still missing. She called in the help of local police detectives and they got to work taking down descriptions and collecting evidence to try to determine where the boy had gone. His mother filed a missing person report, but police were at a dead end before the case had even really begun. Rhonda, Brad's mother, did everything she could to try to find her missing boy. She called neighbors, classmates, friends, and relatives, hoping someone had seen him. She eventually called Jeremy, but Jeremy wasn't going to rat out his friend. He allegedly told Rhonda that he didn't know where Brad was, but she got a feeling that he may not be telling the full truth. Rhonda then called Jeremy's stepfather, Daniel, and explained that Brad had seemingly run away. She said that if he were to ever turn up, he might show up at Jeremy's house. But as far as Daniel knew, Brad hadn't been at their home since around 7 that morning. He hadn't seen him since. Worried and terrified by what may have happened to her missing boy, Rhonda wasn't willing to wait around for a full criminal investigation to be carried out, if a crime had in fact been committed, that is. Instead, she disobeyed the orders of detectives and began conducting her own investigation into the crime. She drove around the local areas and spoke with neighbors and friends in person, but she wasn't able to gather any clues or evidence that may have explained what happened to Brad. Daniel would speak with Jeremy later that night, according to police, but he never called Rhonda back to let her know what their conversation was about, nor what Jeremy claimed had happened to Brad. But this is where the case really heats up, and FBI special agents took a particular interest in the case at this point. Rhonda spent the entire weekend traveling around town and searching for clues. It was during this time that she spoke with several of Brad's classmates and friends, and she became aware of a chilling and downright disturbing rumor that had spread throughout the town. No one knew the specifics of what had taken place that day. But rumors claimed that shots had been fired at Jeremy's home at some point on Veterans Day. These reports made the tragic story of Brad's disappearance all the more concerning, and Rhonda knew that her boy hadn't gone missing of his own free will. By the following Monday, Rhonda spoke with Daniel, Jeremy's father, once again. She told him about the rumor that she had heard, and more specifically, the rumor claimed that Brad fired in the direction of Jeremy after the two got into a fight. At some point during the fight, Brad kept the weapon and fled the crime scene, taking it with him and threatening his own life. Daniel seems to have taken these accusations seriously. After learning that the crime scene investigators were aware of this clue, he called home and spoke with his girlfriend, asking her to confirm that all of their weapons were stored safely away and that they were accounted for. She confirmed this and Rhonda was met with yet another dead end. What took place after this was a series of he-said-she-said said conversations that took place between Rhonda, a school administrator, police, and several of the children who claimed to have seen Brad on the day that he became a missing person. Without diving too deeply into these conversations, I'll just say that it seems pretty clear that someone was lying, and it was most likely Jeremy. 
Jeremy spoke with a school administrator and explained that Brad had come over to his house that morning, but he left shortly thereafter and said that he would be back in 10 minutes, but he never came back. He told classmates about the weapon situation, but denied this to school officials. But things get really scary when you hear the account of Taylor, the girl who was supposed to be meeting up with Brad and Jeremy that day. Taylor's version of events claims that when she arrived at the house, she immediately knew that something had gone wrong. She noticed Brad's bike in the driveway, as well as his backpack and pager on the kitchen table. However, Brad was nowhere to be seen. She searched the house but couldn't find him. She asked Jeremy why Brad was missing, and he claimed that Brad had gotten angry after they played a video game and ran out of the house never to be seen again. But here's where things get seriously disturbing and shocking to say the least. Taylor spoke with a school administrator and claims that later that day, she found bloody clothes in Jeremy's washing machine. She recognized a shirt as belonging to Brad, and the shirt was covered in red stains and had a hole in the middle. As she continued to search the house for clues, she found a small spot of blood on the kitchen floor, as well as a spot of blood on Jeremy's shirt. Taylor asked Jeremy about these pieces of evidence as well, and Jeremy claimed that the blood on his shirt came from Brad grabbing a bar stool and hitting him in the face with it. However, according to the sources that I found, Jeremy had no marks on his face. Taylor later found a hole in the wall, and Jeremy claimed that Brad had caused the hole in the wall earlier that day while playing with a loaded weapon. None of these claims made sense to Taylor or criminal prosecutors. Police would later interview Jeremy's stepfather, Daniel, about the rumors and about the reports of a hole in the wall of their kitchen. Daniel denied all of these claims, but detectives claimed that they noticed a strange-looking spot on the wall that appeared as though it had been recently patched. The following day, after his interrogation with police, Daniel called back to the station and asked to speak with the detective who was working on the case. Daniel told the investigating officer, that Jeremy had finally opened up to it, saying that a round had been fired into the wall that day. Better yet, he even had the bullet that had caused the hole. Jeremy claimed that when Brad had fired at him, the bullet went right over the top of his shoulder, then went into the wall. However, the hole in the wall was far lower than Jeremy's shoulder. In fact, it would have hit him directly in the abdomen, the same area where Taylor recalled seeing a hole in Brad's shirt that she had found in the washer. However, without any condemning evidence, investigators had nowhere else to turn, and the case went cold for several months. Two months went by when trash collectors who were collecting garbage at the family's home noticed suspicious evidence on the top and the sides of the family's trash can. The workers contacted forensic specialists immediately about their discovery, and police subsequently searched the trash can. Inside the trash can, they found two inches of fluid, as well as stains inside the family's kitchen. We don't know whatever happened to these key pieces of evidence that Taylor had found, nor do we know what happened to Brad's backpack or his pager. However, it seems likely that these were disposed of based on what took place next. Detectives requested an interview with Jeremy, who had now changed his story. He claimed that he had fired at Brad in the chest on accident and stuffed his body into the trash can that was headed for the local landfill. Jeremy would go on to tell different versions of how this crime took place, and forensic experts didn't believe him. They felt that Jeremy had fired at Brad over a dispute about Taylor, though I don't really know how they came to this conclusion. 
Forensic investigators concluded that the stains in the trash can and on the kitchen floor had most likely belonged to Brad. And in February of 1996, when Jeremy was 14, he was charged with Bradley's murder, making him the youngest person to be put on trial as an adult in the entire state of Arizona. In January of 1998, Jeremy was charged with second-degree murder and sentenced to a maximum term of 22 years in prison. He was paroled in 2018. When it was discovered that the murder weapon was owned by Jeremy's stepfather, Brad's family sued the stepfather, stating that it was improperly stored. They also stated, as was heavily theorized, that Jeremy's family knew about the crime and helped dispose of Brad's body, and aided in a crime scene cover-up that lasted for several months. The case was eventually settled outside of court, but there's no information about what this entailed. Sadly, to this day, Brad has never been found, and he's still listed as a missing person, even though it's pretty clear what took place at this terrifying crime scene. Police and forensic analysts believe that Brad is most likely in the local landfill, but no one knows for sure. Jeremy was finally released from prison when he was 36 years old. He's now able to live his life freely and move on from this horrible turn of events. But Brad, unfortunately, will never be given that same opportunity. But that's the video for today, you guys. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, be sure to hit that like button. If you loved it, maybe consider sharing, subscribing, or clicking that blue join button below to really show your support for the channel. But my name is Ty Knotts. You guys have been lovely, and I'll catch you in the next video. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.